BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and today we're discussing networking. Yes, it gets a bad rap, but networking is a necessary skill to success, and it won't seem that hard after a little practice. Plus, according to HubSpot, 85% of jobs are filled through networking. 70% of jobs are never even published publicly, meaning that many opportunities come from simply talking to people, whether it's a formal meeting or over an Instagram DM. It's a daunting reality. Luckily, there are plenty of tactics and tools anyone can use to strengthen or build new relationships. And that's what we'll be covering today. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Aaliyah back in the interviewer seat. And one of the biggest misconceptions about networking is that it's a cringeworthy activity and skill you have to be literally born with. But these misconceptions are what turns so many people away from one of the most crucial skills to building a successful career. Lauren has actually landed a few jobs via networking and countless opportunities for Career Contessa thanks to her network. So let's pick her brain on this skill set. So Lauren, tell us why learning how to network matters so much and share your networking success stories. Yes. Well, networking is a learned skill. So that's the good news. And you should start working on it today, no matter where you are in your career. A big networking misconception is people thinking that networking is something you do only after you've gotten job experience or, you know, mastered that skill, applied for the jobs, et cetera. But really networking and people who are good networkers is something that matters just as much as your human capital. You know, human capital is kind of thought of as like your hard and soft skills. So networking or creating social capital can be this missing puzzle piece to a great opportunity, advice, or filling some other gap that you have. In fact, some estimates suggest that up to 70% of jobs are not even published on publicly available job search sites. And research also has shown that anywhere between half to upwards of about 80% of jobs are filled through networking. I can personally attest to this because when I actually found my Hulu recruiting job, I did it via networking with recruiters on LinkedIn first to figure out you know, what's your job like? How did you get there? I actually did formally apply for a job at Hulu, but then the way I got my, my resume viewed by a real person is I went to the alumni center. They gave me someone's email. I connected with them and the rest is history. The other thing I want to point out about that experience is that when I left Hulu, I had had a networking conversation with somebody, I don't know, maybe 
seven or eight, nine months, something like that earlier, I didn't know that I was leaving Hulu yet. So I didn't mention it to her, but she stayed in touch with me. And then when I was leaving, Hulu said, do you know anyone who would be a good fit for your role? And I reached out to her. So they never even posted my job as a backfill. They just interviewed her, loved her and hired her. So that was a hundred percent the situation we're talking about. Other opportunities we've gotten via networking. I mean, literally this podcast. So I found out about Dear Media, the network, really like day one of it launching or before it had even officially launched because I went to a lunch with somebody, a networking lunch with somebody, sat next to her, followed up with her. She put me in contact with Dear Media. And that's one of the reasons why we got on the show. The other fun networking story I have for Career Contessa is we were mentioned on Good Morning America once. And I mean, the mention was so big that it literally like our website basically broke. (laughs) Do you remember that? The developers were like, is someone (laughs) hacking you? What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing about that. So I had been put in touch with Rebecca Jarvis, who's a reporter at ABC, and she was looking for stories related to salary stuff. And I ended up getting to meet with her in her office, like maybe I I basically should have already been at the airport, but I made this last minute call to like meet with her. And that was all via networking. This person introduced me to that person who introduced me somehow to her. She had like a 10 minute window to meet in New York when I was there in person. And we got mentioned on Good Morning America. So I mentioned these stories because it's not just opportunities related to the job search. And like I said, a lot of people think of networking as something you do when you are job searching, but networking is just something you should be doing in general for opportunities, building that social capital. And I know that's really hard, but you know, when we look ahead to this dramatically shifting labor market, the the worth of your network only stands to grow, right? So that ROI, the return on investment for networking is is going to 100% be there. So what's the best way for a person to develop and grow their network? Yeah. So this is a really important thing. And I, I, you know, it's basically like a mindset shift. And I think that people who think of networking as being this really icky thing, it's because they've always felt like it's very transactional. It's like they're asking for something. Right. So the first thing I would recommend everyone who's thinking about networking and really developing this skill set. And again, this is a learned skill. So you don't have to be born with access to a network is work on becoming relationship minded. So to start cultivating a relationship-minded reputation, you want to be the type of person who listens. You want to find out what other people are interested in. This includes listening online, right? So what are people saying? Like really good listeners are actually really good networkers. You want to provide critical information, expertise, or connections to get someone closer to the critical information or expertise they are seeking, right? That's a relationship-minded shift that a really good networker has. You want to share resources and become a source of information about issues and opportunities in your team, workplace, or extended social community, right? That is how you build that that reputation is like you are a person who is that source of information. You have that credibility. You want to share your influence, even if you only have a little. And those of you who are like, I don't have any influence. That's absolutely not true. Right. So share your influence wherever and however you can and cultivate a willingness to continue making relationships and to share information. I think that what people get wrong about this is that Again, they network a lot when they need something, but they forget that really good networkers are are thinking about this long term. And if I had to tell you, like, what are the three secrets to successful relationship building? 
The first one I would say is listening. Listening creates connection. It leads to discovery, revealing the other person's needs, desires, quirks, whatever that their challenges. So being a really good listener is the first secret. The second secret of successful relationship building is consistency. Smart networkers know that consistently showing up, being helpful and reliable builds trust and keeps you top of mind, right? They know that they can trust you to make that introduction or when they ask for it, or they know that when they make an introduction between you and another person, that you're going to be responsible and represent them well. Okay. The third and final secret I would share of successful relationship building is generosity. So consider how you can help someone else and what you have to offer. So be aware of how much you're taking or asking by making no ask within the first year of building a relationship. Now that would be one of my quote unquote rules. You can take it or leave it. But again, one of the things about networking is if you are looking for something, then of course it's going to feel transactional. If you come at it from a place of trying to build a relationship, then there should be, it should be easy to not make an ask for a year. What are some of the common barriers that hold people back from actually networking? Yeah, I think that there are a lot, but I think the most common ones I see are the first one is like the fear of rejection or being an inconvenience to other people, right? So I hear this all the time, like, well, I don't know her that well. I don't want to annoy her. Or I reached out to this person and they never got back to me. So the story I told in the beginning, and I'm sure some of you who have listened to the podcast for a while have heard this, but when I was trying to figure out what a career in recruiting was like, I reached out to over 70 recruiters on LinkedIn and only 30 of them got back to me. And of those 30, less than like I don't remember the exact number, but not all of them got on the phone with me. So you can't let a fear of rejection or not being answered, you know, deter you from reaching out, following up, or if, you know, they don't respond to that follow-up, go find someone else, you know, or ask for another connection. So you can't let this fear of rejection keep you from moving forward. Another common barrier for people is not knowing what to say or how to reach out, right? So I'm a huge fan of informational interviews. And part of it is I think it takes the pressure off because an informational interview is exactly what it sounds like. You are there to just gather information about the person's career path. Where did they start their career? What did they like about it? What do they dislike about it? What have been some of the challenges? Like, you know, when you listen to podcasts, I think actually it's a really good kind of like place to learn how to do this is like, how could you become an informational interviewer for people when you're networking, then it becomes a lot easier about what to say, how to reach out. That's another one. They're like, well, how do I find these people? You can find them on LinkedIn. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Twitter. Every industry I think has sort of its social media niche that it uses more. You can do Google searches. A lot of people have their email addresses out there in the public. If you were to Google search you know, Lauren McGoodwin email address, I'm sure my email would come up. So my best advice is to, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but like find a way to email people directly just because they look at their inboxes more than maybe like LinkedIn messages or another platform. But you'll know, like trust your gut on like what's appropriate for the level interaction for reaching out. At Career Contessa, we're all about helping women feel empowered in their careers. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about our sponsor today, the Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business. The Georgia Tech Scheller College is in the business of investing in women. They want their students to feel empowered in their careers, no matter their background, work experience, or future goals. 
Through a business education at Scheller, you can gain infinite opportunities to grow and transform both personally and professionally while learning from the brightest minds at the intersection of business and technology. Scheller offers full-time, evening, and executive MBA programs that are consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. Plus, Scheller's MBA career services are ranked top five in the world, five years running. In fact, their class of 2022 graduates had a 100% employment rate. Scheller is located in the heart of Atlanta's Tech Square, an area with the highest density of startups, corporate innovators, and researchers in the southeastern United States. So it's the place to be. If you've listened to our podcast before, then you know that we are big proponents of investing in your education and personal development. Career growth as well as career changes and pivots require developing your existing skills all while learning and sharpening new ones. The great thing about the Scheller community is that it has many opportunities to build leadership skills through student-led clubs, committees, events, and leadership development courses. Like we've mentioned in this episode, networking is a huge part of the job search process and finding new opportunities. So to be immediately involved in this new community of like-minded people is so great for your career. And Scheller offers many scholarships for women, making an investment in you and your MBA accessible. It doesn't have to cost a fortune. Visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Scheller's MBA programs. That's gtmbawomen.com to learn more. All right, let's get back to the show. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Two more fears that hold people back. The next one is anxiety of the unknown and the reputation of networking. Like I said, that's just something we kind of have to move through. And what I have learned about networking is that like, it really is a muscle. And like the more you network with people, the stronger you get, or like the more comfortable you are with it. And that anxiety will really start to ease up more and more. And then the last fear that keeps people from networking or feeling like they can is assumption that we don't know the right people and waiting for others to come to us, right? Like you're sitting there waiting for someone to come and network with you. And one thing I just kind of want to mention in general is like, I apply this to most things in my career is that you have two choices. You can be the proactive career person, or you can be the reactive career person. I would much rather be in charge and kind of drive that change. So, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm going to wait for others to reach out to me or assuming I don't know the right people. That's that's very reactive. You're waiting for the opportunity to come find you versus being very proactive and going out there and building the opportunities. One is like, if you like having control, then you're going to much rather be the person who's proactive versus the person who's reactive and probably complaining about stuff all the time. It's like, well, you don't have any control over this because you are waiting for that person to come to you. So those are just some of the common barriers. I think we all have our own personal barriers. But the other thing I will say is like, if you've been laid off or like you maybe left your job and you're looking for a new one, sometimes you can feel 
like embarrassed or feel like you don't have anything to offer or feel like, okay, of course they're going to assume that I want to reach out. I, I really would urge you to kind of like work past that and realize that maybe you start with networking with like your peers first and then work your way up because that insecurity will come across also in networking. And, you know, again, opportunities can come from networking. So you want to put this confident foot forward and start off building that up if you need to. Yeah, it's so funny because like I get anxiety reaching out to people sometimes, but then like anytime I've been on the other end where like someone's reached out in like a really respectful, nice way, I'm like, of course, like it's so funny that there's a disconnect there where I don't even think twice. I'm like, of course, I'll help you out. I think also like, you know, maybe COVID's made that a little harder mm-hmm. or maybe it made it a little easier. It's funny. I was on the phone with someone yesterday and she had written an article and I really liked it. And so I just asked her to connect on LinkedIn. And then she was like, oh, I'd love to connect with you. We set up a call right away. She was like, oh, I can't believe you're on the phone with me. This is so nice. Like you, you know, I've followed your work for a really long time. I've wanted to reach out, but I was nervous to do so. And it was just interesting to me because it's like, that's a perfect example of like waiting for the person. Whereas like, we already had so much in common. It was great to connect with her. She mentioned something like, you must always be networking. It's not that I'm, I don't think of it like that, right? I don't think mm-hmm. of it as like, I'm always networking. I think of it as like, you and I are in a similar space. Why should we not be connected? And why should we not stay in touch via LinkedIn? I, I mean, it's such a low lift. And kind of to your point, I think there was like maybe some anxiety or nerves on her part. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, I hope that person walked away being like, I should reach out to whoever I'm thinking or have had this similar feeling with in the past, because there's, I mean, most of the time it's a positive reaction that comes from it. And that's the nice thing about networking is I think these like small wins really build on themselves Mm -hmm. for people. Definitely. Okay. So these are all great pieces of advice for building a strong networking foundation. Now let's talk about getting started with networking do's and don'ts and what you should actually write in a cold email. Yes, those are all really good questions. And let's get into some specific details so our listeners could actually send that first networking email by the time this episode is done. So to help me answer these questions, I actually invited career coach Eliana Goldstein onto the show. So let's take a listen. Hi, Eliana. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Big, big fan. Well, it's really funny that we're talking about networking since you and I actually met via Instagram DMs, which is proof that literally networking is happening all the time all around us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So when it comes to the job search and networking, what are your top tips for clients? Let's start with your number one tip. So number one tip is definitely around what I first always hear is an objection around networking, which is I don't know anybody or I don't have connections. So my number one tip is, yes, you do, because you can always build connections. So it's really this notion of not focusing on networking as people you're already connected to. Oh, my husband's coworker and my uncle's best friend, right? I think that's a lot of the times how we think about networking. And then we feel limited to the people that we already know. And when we're limited, that doesn't kind of allow for expansion and big opportunities and really focusing on 
cold contacts, people that you don't know and bringing them in. Then it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm limited because I don't know anybody or I don't have these connections. And then again, that's where the most expansion happens by really focusing on and, and targeting people who are cold and bringing them as warm leads into your network. So that's always like kind of my number one tip and piece of advice for people. Yeah. Start with who you know, basically. Yes. Yeah. So start with who you know, but I would even say don't limit yourself to who you know, because I think that like that, I think of that as low hanging fruit and sorry if that was confusing at all, but I think like I get, I get told a lot from people a lot. I don't know anyone. And they'll say, I can't network because I don't know anybody. So it's kind of reframing that thinking, sure, if you know people go for those people, but really the biggest growth opportunities is creating and cultivating new relationships. So you don't need to know people in order to network, if that makes more sense. Yes, that does. Do you have like a go-to language or something you would say in an email when you are reaching out to a completely cold network or a contact or even like a warm contact, but you don't have the introduction? Yes. So, well, I'm a big LinkedIn networker. So I think if you have the email address, great, go for it. But I feel like LinkedIn makes it a little bit more comfortable for people who are apprehensive around networking because LinkedIn was built and created to expand your professional network. So generally when I reach out to somebody or when I advise a client to reach out to somebody, I always recommend to look for some type of commonality. So a lot of the times it might be like a second degree connection. So you have someone in common and I'll usually recommend that people start off with just saying like, Hey, I came across your profile through a mutual connection, right? Cause that's honest. And then say, as I was looking, I noticed that, you know, you either went to this school or we have this thing in common, or I was, I really admire the work that you do in advancing women in the workforce, whatever it might be. It's some type of commonality, some type of compliment that you want to give them and keeping it really, really brief and short and using that message alongside a connection request. So that's kind of call it another tip we could talk about, especially when networking on LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of sending a connection request as opposed to in-mail. I personally think that in-mail can look a little bit spammy and it's always best to kind of almost like give them, like put that little, call it, I don't know, olive branch out there with the message. And if they accept that, I then kind of see that as the permission slip to, okay, now I can send a longer message with some type of ask or some opportunity to get on the phone with that. Yeah, you and I are totally aligned with that. The other thing I would add about that is, LinkedIn messaging, it used to send you an email that basically gave your message in that email. So you didn't have, but now they're like, so-and-so messaged you. And so people just ignore them because they open the email, but they don't see what you wrote. And so it gets lost. So I completely agree is add the cold connection or warm connection, whatever on LinkedIn. That's the first step. Add them as a connection. You can even include the little note, like Eliana said. And then once they accept that is your opening right now, you've can click on connect to get their email address that they have associated with LinkedIn and send them the direct email. And I love using the LinkedIn connection acceptance as my, as my first line. So I'll say something like, thanks for accepting my LinkedIn connection request, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Cause I think that for whatever reason, the subject line and the first line is so hard for people. But then once 100%. you get past that, you're like, okay, I, I can get to the part where I want to ask you to network with me. Yeah. Have that zoom call, that phone call, whatever it is like that. And you mentioned using LinkedIn. I would completely agree. I think that's also a great place to start. What's your next tip for job searchers or really any, I mean, it doesn't even have to be job searchers. I think of so many people today as like quote unquote passive job searchers. So they're not Mm -hmm. really necessarily actively looking 
looking for a job, but they're just always trying to network in case an opportunity is around. What's your networking tip for them? So, and I love that you said that because I think if you're not a passive job searcher, you should be right now starting tomorrow, especially in today's market, right? You can never be, you know, you can never be sure. And you always want to be proactive about those things. So I also wanted to comment because I actually love what you said. And that was even a tip for me because a lot of the times when somebody connects back on LinkedIn, I then advise to send a follow-up message on LinkedIn but you were saying that now you have access to their email, which I think is true a lot of the times. Like some people obviously don't necessarily make yeah. their, their link, their email available. But I think if they do, then 100% go to email at that point as opposed to following up over LinkedIn. So I really love that you said that. I think another kind of really important tip for people who are kind of more in this, pro, not necessarily proactive, but just kind of they're just networking all they're, the time. They're just yeah. networking all the time. It's like really set a goal around it. And I know that sounds so simple, but I think we all have so much going on in our lives that we can, it can just fall by the wayside. And then we go yeah. months and months without doing it. So I do like my advice is always, if you are an active job seeker, aim for one to two networking meetings per week. And if you are kind of just, you know, going along the lines, you're working, but you want to be proactive, whatnot, be smart about it aim for one to two per month is really what I advise people to do. And again, that can be, you can think about it from the perspective of totally colds, right? Maybe one of those is a cold contact you don't know. It's some company that's always been on your hit list. And then I would say one of those others can be someone internally, either within your company that could be really helpful to talk to, right? So focusing on internal networking opportunities as well, or maybe it's an external contact but you're connected to them through work, whether it's a client of some sort, or again, lower hanging fruit, that's easier for you to talk to have sort of that strategy side by side where you're focusing on cold contacts, but then you're also focusing on nurturing the contacts already within your network when you are, you know, currently working. Yeah. I love this. I'll put a link to this blog post I wrote to you guys. It's about the five people you can be networking with right now. And I know we don't, you know, people don't walk around with these titles on them, but you know who they are. So it's like the networker. This is the person in your professional network who seems to know everybody or they're well connected. Um, the other person I put on the list is like the influencer, someone who can really impact your career. Maybe they're a leader in like a totally different industry, or maybe they own their own business and they're well connected, yada, yada. The third one I had on the list was the leader. The next one I had on the list was the blast from the past professional. This is actually one of my favorite ones because, or even like the ex coworker, because when I remember when I left Hulu, and a lot of people were leaving at the same time, they all went to all these really cool companies. Yes. And I have made it my like life's mission to stay in touch. And it's so crazy because my network continues to grow, even though I have been running career contest the whole time because they keep moving to other places and we just keep staying connected. And obviously this doesn't always have to be a full on like, phone call. Sometimes it's just that email. Sometimes it's just staying in touch with like the little LinkedIn messaging or not messaging, but like commenting on their stuff or so little things like that. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So you guys have an idea of like, think about who are these people in your network. And I really love your advice about the cadence of like one to two per month, because you know what? They get rescheduled. There isn't a lot of urgency. So just like kind of keep this on that professional development to-do list. Um, I love that. And I, I, I think that peers, like people, peer networking is another, I mean, there's so many different types of networking and there's so many like good little names for them, but, um, I love that. Okay. What would you say is your next networking tip again for 
people who are job searching or just people who are even like, especially as you said right now, like the job market is a little weird. The economy is a little weird. So people just want to like hedge their bets about, yeah. you know, what could be happening next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think especially in that situation, something that people struggle with a lot is, well, like what can I offer? Right. It's the value add. And then people feel icky about networking because they feel like they can't add value in some way. So what I always like to advise people to do when you're having these meetings is you might not know at that point in time how you can add value because you haven't spoken to them, but you can figure out and decipher how you can add value through the conversation. So you reach out, ideally have this type of meeting. And what you want to do throughout that meeting is kind of like lead with curiosity is always my go-to saying, ask really good questions, learn about what they're, they're doing. But something that I always recommend is work on uncovering their challenges, right? So something as simple as like, what's been going on for you at work? What's keeping you up at night? Asking those types of questions. And then you generally, the people say, oh my God, well, you know, this thing happened at this project, so on and so forth. They kind of divulge, they go into that venting. And there, that's kind of like your solid, like your golden nugget of, okay, now I understand this is their bottleneck. This is what's really keeping them up at night. What is some way that I can help and add value? So it's really like about uncovering the challenge so you can create that value add and not stressing too much. If when you initially reach out, you don't know how you can add value value at that point because you can figure it out through the conversation. So that's something I think is really, really important and helpful. Yeah, I love that. It's and to your point about like take the pressure off yourself. You don't need to know how to add value before you have the phone call. Exactly. One thing also we have is a networking tracker. So if you're wondering, okay, well, how am I supposed to remember that the person said that thing? You're going to have to probably write it down and keep it as note. Okay. So think of really good salespeople. They use, you know, some sort of client relationship management tool, right? Like a CRM and they write notes about what the client says and that helps them. So next time they talk to the client three months from now or four months from now. So you kind of have to put on a similar hat on yourself but you don't, you don't have to sign up for a fancy CRM. I would say, please don't do that, but you can do it in a simple Excel sheet, Google sheet. I'll put a link to the networking tracker template we have, not because I think everyone wants to write this down with pen and paper, but because it will give you some ideas on how you can track these things for yourself. Because this, as you said, networking is something you need to be doing somewhat consistently. And so what, what bad networkers do is they do it when they need something and there's a rush and there's so much impatience behind it and you can feel it. It's like a desperation. Good networkers are kind of doing this all the time. And they're either really good at remembering that kind of stuff about people, or they know to write that kind of stuff down and jog their memories before they connect with them, which is really important. I love the the fact of like having a learning goal in mind. Like what, what is, what's your point? And I also want people to take the pressure off themselves. The learning goal doesn't always have to be something big. It could, the learning goal could literally just be like, catch me up on what's been going on with your life, you know? So I think we, you know, it's like, we don't want to make the phone call unless we know exactly what we're going to say and why we're doing it, but it doesn't have to be that intense. Exactly. Something that also just came to mind when we're talking about things to do with networking, I think it's also important to talk about things not to do. What are some of your biggest networking pet peeves? I feel like you maybe have a few. (laughs) So many, so many. Well, I think the first one is, and I, I, like, I think it goes without saying, but it might not for some people is like, reaching out with the goal, like you think people network and say things like, Hey, I'm reaching out because I saw that you're hiring for this job. And I really wanted to know if I could send you my resume. Right. And I know 
that it seems obvious that if like this person's a hiring manager or, or they're a recruiter, that we should just like go in with the ask immediately. But what we need to remember is that like this person doesn't know you from a hole in the wall, right? And like, what is their incentive? Or maybe a better situation is saying like, if this is asking someone to refer you in for the role, maybe they're not the recruiter or the hiring manager, but they work at XYZ company and you're trying to apply to XYZ company, ask them to refer you in. What you need to remember is that they don't know you from a hole in the wall and they're putting their butt on the line by referring you, right? So you need to like genuinely establish a connection, build rapport with the person so that they can feel comfortable serving as that referral for you. And that's why a lot of the times people who are just kind of like blasting out their resume everywhere, asking people to, you know, like help them apply for roles, don't end up getting a lot of responses. So you always need to lead with the relationship as opposed to leading with the ask. And that's definitely like a big no-no when it comes to networking for sure. Yeah. My big network, I have two actually, now that I'm thinking, I probably could have more than two, but (laughs) two that immediately came to mind. (laughs) Okay. So the first one is the person who sets up the networking call and then expects you to run the call. Yes. You set up the meeting. I want you to direct it, please. We need you to direct the call. This is not a, do not make this a to-do list item for me. It means I probably won't want to network with you again. Totally. So that's the first thing is like you direct the conversation. The second one is I have this rule. I call it the double opt-in. I talked about it in my book because I do not like when people say like, let's say Eliana, you have a friend who's like, I really want to meet Lauren. Can you connect this over email? Before you connect us over email, first, you ask to make sure that the person on the other end has the time and the bandwidth for the connection. They're going to say yay or nay, right? Once they say yay, then you connect them. If they say no, then you go back to that person. You say, you know what? It's not a good time right now. Let's follow up in 12 months or six months or something like that. And I call it the double opt-in because both people should opt in to wanting to be connected. One, it's going to be much more successful if that's the case. And two, sometimes people really are work. Like I remember when I was about to have a baby, like I couldn't have phone calls for obvious reasons, or like sometimes your head's down on a big project and you are in a place where you're saying no. And the thing about being a connector and the people who are connectors, the networker, I call them, they are very powerful people because they do have a lot of people they know, but you don't want to abuse that power. So like, I would also say good networking is before you make the connections, make sure both people are, are, you know, in it to, to have the conversation and then like do a good job with that networking introduction. Don't just be like, hi, you two should meet. And again, that's less for the people job searching and more for the people who are just kind of like trying to expand their network and their, in, in their relationships. You know, I'm sure you get this a lot too, is like when your email is public too, there, there's a lot of that that will happen. So yeah. those are like two pet peeves yeah, that like immediately came to mind. I agree with that. I feel like I wouldn't even think about connecting someone, connecting a client or somebody with a friend or an acquaintance without first asking that acquaintance yes. permission, right? It's like yeah. almost seems like it's obvious, but it's a lot of people kind of take advantage of that and don't do that. And then you're burdening everybody and, and why do that? And yeah. something you were talking about that it was just kind of like making me think of it taking the directive and like leading the meeting and the conversation, I would say that is totally a pet peeve of mine too. And there's so many times that I've had a client who we've had a conversation and they have this big big networking meeting. We're so excited about it. And I'm like, okay, how did it go? And they say, you know, 
I don't know, like I felt like I didn't really have anything to talk about and it was kind of awkward. And, you know, then they're like, it didn't really work. And it's like, exactly like you're saying, you, you're the one who's requesting this, this meeting and this conversation, you have to be the one to really have a goal. Right. And like you said, it doesn't need to be a big goal. It can be something really simple, but you need it to be action and goal oriented to some degree. And I think that's really, really so important. And it's also like doing that while balancing, giving the other person the opportunity to speak, right? Because you don't want to go into a networking meeting and be like, okay, so this is what I'm here to do and blah, 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 blah. And let me tell you about myself and my elevator pitch, da, da, da. And then it's like, the person's like, what? Like, yeah, am I here? Why did you want to talk to me? So I think it's that delicate balance of being goal oriented, making sure that you're leading the conversation and you're directing it strategically while also giving that other person the opportunity to share and give you insight, right? And if like, if this is a company that you want to explore, like you're gleaning insights on what it might be like to work there and you make them feel good, right? It's like that complimentary aspect of things that ends up like leading to good relationships in the future. And the more the likelihood that this person could add value for you, could be a referral for you, so on and so forth. So it's like that delicate balance of it all for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone who goes into a networking call who doesn't prepare questions ahead of time, then don't have the call. Like it's not a good use of your time or their time. And too often when that does happen, you go way far off script. You're like in the wild west. We can't even find you. And next thing you know, you've taken up 30 minutes of this person's time and you really haven't to your point, gotten yeah. to your learning goal. And if you say the phone call is going to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes, stick to it. Do yes. not go over because it's it's not a good use of the person's time. And then I, I would lastly just say the other pet peeve I have is too many people don't follow up. They have the conversation. They take what they want. And that is the end of it. There's yeah. no th- not even like a thank, thank you. you. Like the I thank know. you should be the obvious. And then, you know, set a reminder to yourself. And again, networking trackers are good for this too, but like put it on your calendar, like send follow-up emails once or twice a year. I like to use holidays. Those are kind of like my like easy ins to, to, so like new year's is a big one for me. So I just sent a bunch of networking emails to people just saying happy new year. Here's what I was up to the last year. Hope things are going well. Like no expectation of them following up with me, but like if we had a call in the last year or the last two years or whatever, and then you never hear from them ever again, it's not that that's that bad. It's just that if you want to be a good networker, yeah. these are some of the, like the subtle differences and yeah. someone who's listening where they're like, well, it's going to take so much time out of my day or, you know, I'm going to have to like, remember all this. Like, yeah, it's going to have to be something that you you put on the to-do list right. and like make some time for. Yes. Right. That's, exactly. that's true. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Anything that's worthwhile from a career perspective generally takes effort and, and isn't just the kind of thing that you can just set it and forget it, but it, but it's worthwhile. And yeah, exactly to your point, it's, you make a person feel used, right? It's like, Oh, you got what yeah. you wanted out of me. And now I'm just, you're tossed me to the side. It's like dating. It's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. And, and same simultaneously, you never know when that connection could come in handy again in the future. And if that person feels like they just use me and then never followed up, why are they going to want to connect or help you in the future? So always maintaining that rapport and continuing to follow up, even if it is only once or twice a year, right? That's not a big lift. So really making sure to do that. Yeah. It's gonna, the ROI on that lift too is like tenfold. So it's totally worth doing. Okay. Eliana, tell people where they can find you, learn about your course 
you have to mention your Instagram, obviously, okay, because obviously. <laughs> it's very good. You guys should all, all go follow her. It's it, you have good tips and it's entertaining. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. No, this is coming from you. That means a lot. So you guys can follow me on Instagram, Eliana underscore Goldstein. We're keeping it really, really simple. And you can always DM me over there. Myself, my team is really, really responsive. You can also go to my website to connect with me, elianagoldsteincoaching.com. And I have a course called The Career Upgrade. Obviously, networking is a really big part of that, but it's virtually outlining my four-step strategies to successfully find and land a new job. Whether you want to pivot into something entirely new and different and don't know what that pivot is, or you know what you want to do, but you just really want to focus on executing and building the relationships and knowing how to interview like a pro, really all the steps needed to successfully land a new role. It's called the career upgrade. And I believe that we have a special offer for everybody, for all the listeners. So more details on that, but would love to connect with all of you guys and support you in any way that I can. Amazing. I'll put uh, links to your Instagram, your website in the show notes. And then for career upgrade, I will also put that in the show notes with the code because Eliana is giving you guys a discount code. So we'll put all that show notes are where you need to turn. And Eliana, thank you so much for sharing your networking tips today. Of course, of course. And what a great day this Valentine's Day, like all around. Build those relationships. Build those relationships, (laughs) guys. Not just your romantic ones, also those professional ones. They're just as important, if not more important. So don't (laughs) thank you for listening to the career contestant podcast please consider rating and reviewing our show it really helps our show grow and get discovered by new listeners lastly i put all the things in the show notes so the five emails to send the networking tractor and eliana mentioned her career upgrade course so we put that in the show notes a link to that including the code that you want to use to get that percent discount off Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.